Hey, what's going on, guys? My guest today and I had, honestly, just a crazy conversation. We covered so much, and the conversation went all over the place in a really good way. We talked about cults. We talked about child marriages. Yeah, it just, it was a really good conversation, and I was very happy to have her on the podcast again. So please give me a hand in welcoming my sister, Sarah Flores. Chubby, thanks for coming back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. We've got a little different setup for you here today. I mean, we had to get all professional for you since... You're our star guest now. Well, thank you. Yeah. So what's the name? Growing Pains with Nick <laughs> with Nicholas Flores. I like it. We went it. a little formal for it. That's good. So, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it fits a little bit better than the other ones did. And I think it kind of leaves a little room for mystery, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you. So over the weekend, right, mm -hmm. our parents had a little social distancing party, 50th birthday party for their friend. Mm-hmm. And probably halfway through the night, um, you know, I've got a little bit of liquor flowing through my veins and uh, I was standing next to the music and I'm talking to dad and you guys are trying to ride the unicycle. And I just found myself just like genuflecting for a few minutes. Like I was just so happy in that moment and looking at you guys, it was so cool. And I started talking to dad a little bit about it. I was like, this is like, this is what it's all about right here like these moments and I was so thankful that like I got to be like cognitive in that moment like actually looking at it and being like oh my god like these are those moments because <laughs> you know for the past past few months since all this has happened I've been home I haven't really got to see anybody other than you guys right and then having everybody over here and yeah we're social distancing and stuff but it was just like this is why we're doing all this like for our friends, for our families, like these are the moments that are important and this is what we want out of life. And I was so happy and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, this is awesome, right? And I just thought I couldn't help think about it. And, you know, as you're watching it, like the moments passing and you're just like, God, like that's the moment. These are the moments. <laughs> and I don't know what made me just think of that now, but I just felt like I had to say that to you because we haven't talked about the party, but I thought that I thought that was cool. And I was really excited to be a part of that. And I had a really good time. Oh, good. I'm yeah. so glad. That's cool. Those moments, I don't know what triggers them, you know, in my own experience. Yeah. But it is nice when you see it in the moment and can just have this little like moment with yourself. Yeah. Of, oh, like this is the perfect moment for right now for what it is. Like, I'm really happy, you know? So and that's it's cool. weird because most of the time you can't see it in the moment. You're like looking back five years later and like man i remember those days when we were doing this and doing mm -hmm. that and how much fun they were like it's rare that in the moment you take a beat and you're like yeah i'm gonna remember this one yeah like, this is gonna stick with me for a little bit that's cool yeah i thought it was pretty cool so genuflecting that's a word right did i just make that up as <laughs> i was saying it i was like oh god i know she's gonna call <laughs> i knew you were gonna call me on it too you couldn't just let it slide get it out there i think it means I think it's like a variation of like self-reflect, genuflect. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, just going to roll it down. <laughs> I was like, hmm. 
hmm, I haven't heard that. Maybe I saw it's, your eyes perk up a little bit, and I was like, oh, shit. Maybe it's, it's not going to be good for me. some, like, hip term I'm not <laughs> familiar with, so. No, I think it's pretty old. I feel like I've heard dad say it, which doesn't really boost my confidence that it's an actual word, but... Or I'm going to sound stupid for like... <laughs> not your, knowing what it is. Let's hope yeah. it goes with that one. All your listeners are like, duh, that's a that's real, a real word. word. Come on. <laughs> College graduate over here. Great. Oh. The other thing I've been thinking about, and we got to talking a little bit at the party too, was just how politicians are handling this moment. Like how our leaders are attempting to lead us through this difficult time, right? Mm. And um, most of our parents' friends are like, business people there have their own businesses and stuff and so it was interesting hearing them because obviously my friends do not own their own business so I don't really get to see that side of the world you know most of us are just working whatever jobs we can get and they're talking about you know all these loans that you can get with zero percent interest and all this stuff and how you know politicians are throwing it out there saying oh you know it's for small businesses we're going to help the little guy maintain float and everything but in reality it's these giant conglomerate corporations that are just scooping up millions right Mm -hmm. and not even being open or not paying their workers livable wages during this time like not doing anything to help actual people they're just getting paydays for it Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking about that and i was like that is so fucked up right like why are they doing this they know that people aren't working right now they know that it's gonna be a shit storm once everything opens back up again because nobody has any money and and then it struck me right and I blurted it out as we're all talking about it. It's it's politics. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not about the people. It's not about me helping my constituents. It's not about any of that. It's me helping who's going to get me elected here when the elections roll around. Mm. Right? So most people don't vote. Like forty percent or something don't actually vote. Right? And so if you can get these big corporations in your pocket and you can get them to back your campaign and they elect you into office, I'm back in. Right? Yeah. If I help you out. Yeah, I might be doing something good. Yeah, I might be helping you. I might be helping a lot of people. But, you know, what if you don't have my back when elections come and I'm out of office? There goes my paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. And how fucked up is that? Yeah, I guess I didn't think of it like that. Right? Well, it's a very, I mean, it's not a good way to think about it, right? When yeah. you're looking at it like that, like, God damn, that sounds depressing. Like, that's not how you want to think of our elected officials. But yeah, I mean, do you, what do you think of that? That was just rolling through my head and I was talking to them about it and they were like, yeah, well, that's that's what it is. And I was like, that's pretty fucked up. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess it could be that. I don't really think of things like that. I mean, I obviously I don't have a business, so I don't yeah. know what the actual details of the loans that they're offering are or what the support looks like that they're saying that they're giving, mm-hmm. whether they're actually getting it or what that what are the details of it? Um, my thought when I look at things like that is more like the officials who are making these decisions have a really hard job because you're looking at a bunch of different people who are on this giant spectrum of like how much money they're making or the size of their company or whatever the spectrum is. Mm -hmm. And then you're trying to pick the line that helps the most, the best way you can. And you have to pick something that's going to go for everyone well we're all so individual and companies are so individual and their business plans and how they facilitate money and all of that is so individual that i normally think of it like they're trying to pick the middle of the line which you're gonna have people that are getting completely screwed and you're gonna have people benefiting who shouldn't be but 
how do you address the masses in this type of situation? So I guess maybe I am like looking through the rose colored glasses or whatever they say, you know, like trying to be more positive of like, well, they're hopefully doing their best. My hope is that they're trying to do their best. And of course, middle of the line isn't that great. But I guess the intention is like, well, it's not going to be perfect for anyone. Yeah. We're trying to do something. And this is what they came up with, which, you know, I don't always agree with. Or I think there could be better ideas, but I don't know what their playing field looks like. I don't know what is impacting their decisions and how they come up with their stimulus packages or whatever they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, I have thoughts of like, well, it would be nice if, you know, banks weren't collecting mortgages. Like that seems like that would be helpful, but... I don't know what the repercussions of them making that decision are or why they haven't had that. Or maybe it is on the table and there's reasons that they decided that wasn't best. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think my problem with it, and I should be honest, I haven't read a whole lot into the situation is not, not as much as I should have, you know, so I'm speaking out of my ass a little bit, but (laughs) I think my problem with it is you hear that these corporations are getting millions Mm. and a, the corporation's not open. Right. Mm. Uh, B, people working for it are on unemployment right because they're not open and maybe they got laid off they're getting their jobs are cut you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and then you on the other side you have people who haven't even gotten their stimulus check yet you know and you've got these small businesses that are kind of bleeding cash and i heard that they're not even looking at your losses they're just dishing out the cash here's Mm -hmm. the money just take it right now Mm -hmm. so you might not even be losing money and yet you're getting millions of dollars Mm -hmm. or you're getting thousands of dollars you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm what about the small business that, I don't know, sells cupcakes mm-hmm. and has a 50% loss because nobody's buying cupcakes right now? Right, but you can apply that to the stimulus package. So there's people who, you know, they're giving them a $1,200 stimulus package in California mm-hmm. or across the country. Is it the same? I think it's across the country. Okay. So that's less than what my rent was last year. So if this had happened last year, I wouldn't even be able to afford my rent, let alone the fact of it's three months later. However, if this was last year, I would have still been working. So I wouldn't have been suffering a loss of wages. So then do I really deserve a getting a stimulus package? Mm -hmm. I think you can argue that. So we're giving out money to people that maybe don't need it because if everyone's getting it, but some of those people are continuing to work and haven't experienced any type of financial loss they're getting the money. And then the people who have experienced an even greater loss than what the stimulus package contains are still getting screwed. So you can look at it that way. Pudge is trying to join in on the podcast. Pudge, what do you think, buddy? <laughs> he agrees with me, obviously. I don't know. He doesn't look very happy. Um, so, you know, you could think of it that way. So I'm sure, you know, looking at it simply in terms of the stimulus package, mind. right? And so then obviously we can expect the same thing in terms of businesses. There's going to be businesses that are getting screwed and businesses that are getting money that shouldn't. Now, I also think it's important to keep in mind that bigger businesses are known for maybe screwing it a little bit. Right. And taking advantage of loopholes and finding them. But to me, that's an integrity issue on the person owning the business and running the business and from the top down, there's an issue. So I would say, you know, the CEOs that are running their business like that and trying to collect money that they shouldn't or they don't need and they're not taking care of their employees, well, then that's that person's fault. And that's on them and that's something that they need to live with. Well, is it on the business's fault or is it on, you know, the people who are passing these bills, right? Well... The problem, right. But the problem is if you want the government to be able to go through 
and address all of this and make it all even, then they would have to sit there and spend time Checking trying to assess out. and look how long it takes for them to just put a general offer out on the table. So can you imagine if they were trying to specialize with like multiple different options? It would be five years from now before you even get any yeah. money. So then everyone would be screwed. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, I just think our, we're too big. The country's too big and yeah. the government is not run efficiently in that way to be able to assess. Like there's just too many people for, you know, the federal government to be like, oh, let's break it down. And, you know, a medium sized business in California compared to a medium sized business in Idaho, like how much are they making? And let's yeah. just like, that's going to take them forever so i think my problem my main problem is that you know we're in a crisis right now and yet we're still playing politics when our goal should be helping everyone out raising everybody up right now to get through this and then we can get back to okay let's start solving the issues again but right now like because they were trying to pass bills that have nothing to do with this that you know they're trying to slide in with coronavirus relief and it's like okay well can we focus on getting through this first, right? Can we take a beat? Can we worry about, you know, people not starving, not getting evicted, not, you know, losing everything right now for nothing that they did, right? Because this is nobody's fault. Right. I mean. But, I mean, I guess my thought is that's not realistic. Yeah, it would mm -hmm. be nice for that. And I think in the structure of our government in this country, they're trying to some extent, whether yeah. I think they're trying their best or not, you know, I'm not. I don't think necessarily they're trying their best given mm -hmm. what I've seen, um, but they're trying, they're doing something. And I think it's kind of unrealistic to set the expectation that they're going to really care about people that are losing their jobs or starving when in the day to day we have people starving in this country. So because of a pandemic, they're yeah, suddenly going to care. Okay. Yeah. So well, that makes sense. I mean that unfortunately that's just not our government, I guess, or our, our current situation in life. Yeah. I heard, um, Oh, God, what was the quote? It was something like, what makes a man great or a person great is they'll plant a tree knowing that they're never going to sit in the shade, right? To mm -hmm. do that selfless act. And God, when I heard that, of course, you know, I got all inspirational. I was like, oh, man, like I got to start planting some trees. And it got me thinking about, in reference to politics today, nobody's planting trees. Mm -hmm. I mean, 400 years ago, whatever you have to say about this country, right? It's got a lot of problems. It's done a lot of good. Mm -hmm. It's done a lot of bad. But the men who built this country were pretty great when you take a look at it and you step back. And I was thinking about that and I was like, why could we do something like build a country back then? And yet today we've got this happening. We've got children in prisons at the border happening. We've got all these problems. We've got people that can't eat. We've got homeless, which nobody can seem to solve. And I think my cynical view on what is happening kind of came into play and it was like nobody's planting trees right right everybody's worried about getting elected back so they're not actually trying to do any real good whereas back then it was like i mean take george washington for instance he was president and he could have ridden that for who knows how long mm -hmm. but after two terms he stepped down and that became the norm mm -hmm. i mean could you imagine having that much power especially back then when we, had, we were just getting going you know nobody really knew what to do what was going on like it was a crazy time, I'd imagine. And yet the most powerful man in our country said, I've done my time. I've done the good that I can do. Someone else needs to take up the mantle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't even imagine. I don't think there's a politician today that would, given the opportunity to be whatever for however long they want, I don't think any of them would step down. 
because they're all so power hungry just to get there and then they've got it and they're like oh man i got it's like a drug they're like i gotta keep (laughs) this i gotta stay up here for as long as i can and back then you know you live for 30 40 years if you're lucky so public office for four years was a big deal because that's four years of your life you can't get back Mm -hmm. now shit i'm gonna live to be 100 i might as well spend 60 as you know a congressman and fill my pockets and then i'm gonna go buy a retirement home down in virginia just for myself and i'm gonna live out and hunt off my front porch you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's like instead of public office being about helping people and then you getting to that position and you're actually doing that and then you've done the good you can do the people decide okay try the next one you know what i mean now it's like oh man i gotta get there and then you're there and it's like i gotta do whatever i can to stay here Mm -hmm. because what is it um ultimate power corrupts ultimately or absolutely or something absolute power corrupts absolutely and now you've got a ton of power if you're in these positions and they don't want to give it up Mm -hmm. so what are you going to do you're going to do whatever you can to keep that i mean right or am i just being super cynical and just looking at all the night apparently i'm just on this train of yeah you're depressing my bad i know (laughs) uh i guess i have two two thoughts okay the first one how history paints it as I learned it. Yeah, I think it's really neat how our founding fathers really thought of, like had the mindset to be able to look forward. And they put in these things of like, um, in case someone tried to take power and like, let's- What to do these steps. Yeah, these like, uh, I don't know. They were just really forward thinking, I think, especially for their time. And it's interesting to see, even with like the impeachment stuff, um, how we're like, relying on those things and these boundaries that they set up i think that's really yeah cool. we're still following these rules that were set yeah hundreds of years and ago and stuff that i'm like how would they even think to include yeah, like, that you why guys are they... still following this today yeah. like i thought you'd make some new stuff like so i feel like that's really cool and that shows a lot like you said like they were really planting trees and thinking about the country overall is what it appears to be right who yeah. knows now we weren't there at that time so who knows maybe there were some, you know, five good people that really had a say mm-hmm. and then a lot of corrupt people still, right? Yeah. People, are you saying people's nature has completely changed and gone completely cynical and it used to be really great? Mm-hmm. Or is it kind of what we talked about before with social media and with the news and the way that people try to get publicity and things like that? Does it make it seem more negative because that's what people are drawn to reading about? So then it looks like everything's much more negative and more corrupt than maybe it actually is. Yeah. Um, I also think in today's climate on either side in terms of politics, it's got to be hard to get stuff done because there's all these checks and balances and you're trying to please everyone and you have this person in your saying yes and this other person saying no and then you're trying to figure it out. So in like a small scale, being in like leadership of a company and being in the management team, I remember struggling with that. Like I have, you know, these three objectives that I need to get done, but the state is telling me I have to provide all of this, Mm -hmm. but the federal government is only giving me this much money, but I have to follow all state regulations. Well, okay, there's not enough money. So now... How do I uphold these regulations but not have enough money and still make sure that I'm paying the people that work for me a livable wage? And how do I ensure that I'm getting good quality staff? And where do I find the time to add in these extra 25 year, twenty-five hours of training annually to my staff when I'm already having to cut their hours to make sure that I can afford to keep the program running? Yeah. So I would think, you know, government is operating on that same scale too. There's all these like 
conflicting things and you're trying to follow all these regulations. So, you know, I just feel like I have no idea what that looks like. And I would not want to be in that position, especially during a pandemic. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, all these governors that are having to make these big decisions to shut down, to not shut down, weighing the options of, you know, okay, I shut down for people's safety and everyone's going to hate me. I keep it open and people get sick. Everyone's going to hate me. Like there's just no winning. It's going to be a thankless job no matter exactly what, how you do it. And so I think that alone has to weigh on people, right? Because if you walk in and you're like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna do everything right and I'm going to really stand up for the small guy or whatever your mission is when you get elected and then you're constantly beaten down by everyone basically hating you with no matter what you do because one side or the other is going to hate you, right? You're not going to please everyone. Then how do you set boundaries and how do you protect yourself against all that energy and all this pushback to make sure that you're able to do the right thing. And I think people can get lost in that really easy, unfortunately. Um, Well, I don't think the, I I think the problem is, is everyone's, you know, you're looking for popularity now and the officials are the ones that are popular, Mm -hmm. right? You're not going to like somebody that you've never heard of, Mm -hmm. but you shouldn't be going into these offices for the money, obviously, but or for the popularity, you know, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be that everyone likes you. Right. Um, you should hope that the decisions that you make, people respect. They might mm-hmm. not like you, but they'll respect you and they'll respect what you're trying to do. And I don't think that's there. I don't know if it's they're just trying to please these big corporations or mm-hmm. trying to please enough people that they can get voted back or just trying to please their side at the end of the day. And I wonder if that came into effect obviously back way back when Mm -hmm. if the parties were as cutthroat and as at each other's necks as they are today or if everyone yeah there were two different sides but if everyone still at the end of the day maintained the concept that this is our country we're all in this together like at the end of the day regardless of you know maybe it benefits republicans a little more than it benefits me or vice versa at the end of the day it betters our country most so yeah let's do that and you don't really see that come into effect a whole lot but i would argue that wasn't necessarily the case way Mm -hmm. back when because we had a civil war right the the country wanted to split in half because they couldn't decide so there wasn't the unity of like no that's a good point we're all the united states you know Mm -hmm. so so maybe this is yeah maybe this is part of human nature and maybe it ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. i guess would be my trying to find a positive in it like kind of just a pendulum and maybe people are able to really unite sometimes and then it swings to the other side and they become more divided and then you realize this really isn't working maybe it's not about left and right it's about you know coming together and maybe this pandemic can actually result in something like that and then we'll swing and you know suddenly it won't be so much about sides and then we'll realize oh we're not actually all in agreement and then it swings back and i think that's part of i guess just human nature or the country yeah I was thinking about those ebbs and flows and I mean, obviously you had, you have different movements in this country and I'm wondering if we're, you know, in an extreme right now, you know, cause you've got like the liberal movement to change everything, you know, and go a little more less democratic, more socialist, I guess, to some extent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you go back, a few decades you had the hippie movement you know if you go back a few more decades you had well you had like the kkk and stuff which is still obviously prominent today but like you've got these different extreme movements Mm -hmm. and then they 
kind of mellow out and maybe some changes are implemented, some are not. And I wonder, do you think that's just people rebelling at just everything, at their officials, at the way of life not being what they want it to be? Or like, why do we keep seeing these extreme movements when the majority, and why do they get so big when the majority of the population is like, okay, like what is, I think most people would agree the KKK is bad. Mm-hmm. And yet that movement was huge. I don't know what it still is today, but like, I think a majority of Americans would say, okay, that's fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. Then you've got the far left out here today that are like, we got to shut up anyone that doesn't agree with what we're doing. We got to punch them in the face. We got to beat them up. Like semi-Antifa movements, like you've got extremes on both sides. And yet the middle's like, whoa, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. But yet we keep seeing that throughout history. Like what? I, I don't understand where that comes from. My thought is that it comes from a desire to belong within being human, you know? It's, is it a desire to belong, though, or is it desire to create something else that, oh, I'm not fitting in here. I'm going to create something that's going to destroy that. You're not going to let me into this club. I'm going to I'm going to destroy that club. Or does that come from the fear of someone different, right? So you have someone who maybe, if, I mean, if you're thinking about it, and then it makes me think about like cults that you see that come around and yeah. stuff like that. So you have someone who you know, maybe has some ideas that are a little bit different than whatever the norm is at the time. Mm-hmm. Normally, they're not like super far off. They gradually branch farther off, but they start yeah, it's off like, like a, it's a slope, right? Yeah. So they start off and then you have these people who maybe aren't really a part of anything. Right. But they feel like they don't necessarily go with What's the middle of the here? line. Okay. Right. So they're kind of searching and suddenly you start finding each other and then it starts expanding and then suddenly the views become a little more radical because now you got a following and you can start kind of branching out and then you get a little more extreme because you've got this big following let's see what we can do with this right you know and then you're thinking hey i really don't like that and these people are kind of just rallying around you now because they started to feel that bond which i think is natural right there's times that you might feel one way and then suddenly you're hanging out with these new friends and they start doing something that maybe you used to not really do or be interested in it but now they're doing it and so you're like okay maybe i'll try it maybe it's not that big of a deal right think about okay the people smoking weed for example they grow up they're like oh i'm not gonna smoke weed all the time or whatever it is and then they start hanging out with someone who smokes weed and they're like well we're really good friends and you're fine and uh, i respect who you are like i want to be your friend and so it's not that big of a deal and suddenly they're smoking weed and suddenly it progresses right just like some random Anything, example. alcohol whatever tv and and so i I guess my thought is like that's like a simple form but that's what i would think is how you see all these extremes Mm -hmm. you know like someone experiences something and they don't really like it and then kind of develops a group around them and then that expands and so i i think it stems from human nature and that wanting connection and i think we see that now like on social media even i mean people are searching yeah it's all it's all fun and games you know, until somebody wants to sleep with your wife and then shit hits the fan. Well, yeah, are we yeah. talking cults again? <laughs> yes, we have to go back. I, not to be insensitive, but I love, I love cults. Not the that actual, sounds, I know, oh, that's okay. going to be a soundbite. Not the actual cult, but like, it's, you got to admit, it's so fascinating that like one person just rallies all these people. I mean, imagine if you took that, like what a cult is, and you made it a movement to do something good. Yeah. I mean... Unfortunately, it doesn't God, seem I know. like that. I was going to say, I'm a little bit hesitant to say this. Uh-oh. I know. It's not going to sound good, but let me work through it, I hope, for a second. <laughs> you could say that, like, Abraham Lincoln was a cult leader, right? He had this radical idea that people should be free. Mm-hmm. Um, 
people rallied around that and he used that for good. You know, Martin Luther King, good. Waco, not so good, right? <laughs> um, Eden Parish, really not so good. So it's like, it's weird because cult today has such a negative connotation because normally it's a religious movement and the leader's sleeping with everyone's wife and then ends with mass suicide, right? And it's not good. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it as someone rallying a bunch of people around a unifying cause, then who wouldn't want to be a cult, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so incredible that like you could... It's it's fascinating, right? Am I or am I crazier? Is this gonna? This is the end of the podcast now. <laughs> Sorry, people. I gave my best shot. We were three episodes in, and now I'm praising cults. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy, right? That you can unify people like that. George Washington could have been a cult leader, right? He rallied people's like, "Hey, British man, we got to stand up to these guys," and people were like, "Yeah, I agree with that." Rallied them. Yeah. And here's America. I mean, should we be pulling up the exact definition of a cult as you're using I, it? Because now you're starting to say maybe, all these people. <laughs> maybe I'm conflating two different terms, but I think a cult is just, I don't think its definition is tied to religion, is it? Or is it a religious thing right off the bat? You have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> Am I allowed to pull out my phone on this yeah, podcast? Yeah, okay. I was going to Google it on my phone, but then I didn't want the typing up on the mic. But it's... <laughs> But it's interesting, right? I mean, what do you, what do you, because if there was a cult that was like, everyone should have, you know, universal healthcare, I I would probably sign up for that cult as long as he's not like, yeah, but after we get universal healthcare, you got to stab yourself in the leg to go test it out. <laughs> then it'd be like, yeah, yeah. I'd... I don't think they tell you that in the beginning <laughs> when you join a cult. No. You're going to kill yourself in three years. It gets to the extreme. But I mean, Okay, so is... cult, it says a system of religious... It, that Damn. religion is part, is part well, of it. this has been Growing Pains with Nicholas Flores. <laughs> um, I hope you guys enjoyed the first three episodes because this is probably going to be the last one. So, A relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Well, that's vague, right? Because what if a majority, say for a second, that a majority of people on planet Earth are, I don't know, pick a religion, right? Well, then any religion that they they look at that's not theirs that could be considered strange right for majority of people yeah so that's a little vague and what what about practices i mean it didn't tell me like how to create a cult it just <laughs> defined the word for me and i was telling you and all your your watchers um damn okay so okay so i guess i retract everything i just said but, but it's still interesting it is interesting yeah. i think it, it would be interesting to see where those people would have gone if they would have turned that to something good right Maybe that's maybe that's what separates someone like, you know, these other movements like Abraham Lincoln or like, you know, whoever you want to pick and actual cult like the one in Waco or the one in Eden Parish is that hey, it wasn't tied to religion, obviously, but they did use it for something good. Or am I just extremely monologuing here and just going off the rails? No, no, I'm listening. I'm processing. Um they're interesting, right? Yes. Okay. I think cults oh, yeah. are really can, interesting and the way that people are drawn to them and, you know, yeah. what goes on. I think it's about perspective a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. in now, now your listeners might hate me, but in Waco, I'm not, you know, we watched that documentary. And Which I, was so good. It's on Netflix. And I'm not sure... So wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, there was some questionable stuff even disclosed in that. But I mean, 
the age for consent to get married, I think, is different in different states. Yep. Still. So, you know, while I don't think it's appropriate for a 16-year-old to be able to get married because that's not the world I grew up in. Some states it might be considered so. Right. And so then is it wrong because my perspective and I say it's wrong? Like, you know what I mean? So I think that there's this gray area there about who decides it's wrong. Now, I don't think anyone's going to say it's good when there's a mass suicide situation or when you're sleeping with kids or you're forcing people to get married who don't want to be or you're taking advantage of people who are vulnerable and taking all their assets and all their money and depriving them of sleep, which is also something that is known to happen in cults. Yes. So on that aspect, yes, it can be very bad. But then there's also situations and movements that maybe seem bad to someone, but it could just be that they're different. And well, Waco... Waco is an interesting point, right? Because there's a lot of different viewpoints on whether or not they did actually kill themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk that, you know, whether it be the FBI or the ATF or some other inside source there, that they actually started the fire Mm -hmm. that um, killed all those men, women, and a lot of children. Mm -hmm. Or if they had done it, you know, that group. And obviously the government can't really pony up and say that they did it if they did right but there have been other cases where the same tactics that were used in the same tear gas flammable tear gas that Mm -hmm. was used there was used in other situations and it resulted in a fire Mm -hmm. right so you've got this a pattern where they're using these tactics a fire is resulting and everyone is dying Mm -hmm. on that side right in the fire that is starting and you've got this pattern of repetition that's continually building and then you get here and the same tactics the same pattern Mm. the same fire all these people are dead right right so there's there's that but outside of that like you said the marrying thing um if they all it's well it's hard right because you want to you feel bad for these people in a cult because obviously you feel like they're being taken advantage of and stuff and Mm -hmm. Everything they're doing is you feel like it's hurting them and that they just can't see it. And in Mm -hmm. most cases, I think that'd be a safe assumption is that they can't. You know, they're kind of brainwashed to some extent. Mm -hmm. But in a case like Waco, I mean, are they or are they just following, you know, like you said, a branch of religion that doesn't really make sense to us? Because you could look at Catholicism or Christianity and I have my own quarrels with those. And you could look at that and be like, well, the Crusades weren't good. Mm hmm. And yet the church did that and the people at Waco weren't really hurting anybody from the outside perspective. You know, we're not really sure what they were doing internally. Obviously, the leader was sleeping with everyone's wife um, as part of the religion. And you don't really know if that was in the Netflix special. It made it seem like it was consensual, right? Mm-hmm. Which and at everybody the s- was willing. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, And then who's to say it's bad if you're an adult and you're married and then you choose to have your like. I mean, how it how it was portrayed. Well, in the Mormonism, net. right? If yeah. you're a Mormon and you've got multiple wives, it's all consensual, which is essentially kind of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. They just happened to be other people's wives before being his, right? Um, and I don't know if um, that's like a practice thing for Mormons, Mormons. anymore, but that's in their history. Okay. Just yes. So oh, that's good. Let's, yeah, <laughs> we don't. We're already pissing off a lot of groups today. We don't need to add that one to the list. I think it is still practiced in some places some aspects of it so i mean do the amish do that too oh i don't know 
Okay. Well, I knew you were like big into the Amish TV shows for a while. <laughs> um, back to the cult thing. So yeah. So then who's to say what they're doing up there is wrong, regardless of how you feel like if you take an objective look at it. So then, I mean, did we really have the right to go break that up? Well, I think you could even, yeah. I mean, it brings up the question, I guess, if you want to talk about multiple wives and stuff and bring that into it, like polygamy is illegal. So where you're married to multiple illegal people. Here. Right. Yeah. So, but if like you're a guy and you want to marry this lady and then the two of you decide that you wanna... he gets to have another wife, like yeah. my thought is like, well, you're all adults. Like I, it's not my living situation. I would never do that, but I'm not really sure why I would have a right to tell you you don't get to do that. That is interesting. Where does that come from? Because I don't want to offend anybody but i'm gonna roll with this um <laughs> uh i believe you know in some middle eastern countries you can have multiple wives right maybe um <laughs> and so it's okay over there and it's not okay here and do you think that stems from christianity because that is so heavily ingrained in our society whether you right. want to accept it or not it mm -hmm. is and while we'd like to think that we have a strong separation of church and state sometimes that line is blurred more often than we'd like it to be okay um i mean there's in god we trust on our dollar but yeah for better or worse i'm not yeah. gonna make any judgments on that but that's on our currency it has religious quotes and stuff and yet why why not polygamy mm -hmm. i mean i'm not gonna i'm not for it i'm not against it you can do what you want to do i guess right i mean it doesn't hurt i'm not gonna be a part of your love octagon but um <laughs> That's weird. Like, why does that affect you, right? Right. Where would that? Where did that come from? I wonder. Did we just decide as a nation that did a, a majority of people just decide no? You, you, if you're going to get married, it's going to be to one person. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know where that came from, and I think it's interesting. Like, I find that interesting, just like I find learning about cults and how people are drawn to that interesting. Because mm -hmm. to me. I'm thinking being in a relationship with one person can be really exhausting. Yeah, it's tiring enough. Why do you want right. to bring in another one? I know. There's uh. no way I could do it even if I wanted to. Like, that's too much work for me. So, you know, things are different. But maybe that works really well for people. So I don't know why they can't do that. And it's interesting because, you know, you can date multiple people at once. Can you? Or did I just make that up? Some people do. I mean, yeah, I guess people do. I don't think some people do. It's not like well, against sleep, the law. Yeah, I was going to say it's not against the law to date multiple people at once, or you can sleep with a bunch of different people in a short span of time. But when it comes to marrying someone, it you get one. Right. You get to pick one. Mm. But then you could get a divorce and marry another one. Mm -hmm. So it's just that overlap of time. You get one at a time, <laughs> right? Like where the yeah. hell does that stem from? Does it say, you've read the Bible, does it say in the Bible that you can only have, it's one, it's just one and one? Yeah. Okay. In the Bible, it talks about like marriage is between a man and a woman. Or a person and a person. Right. But how people, I guess, tend to read it. But it yeah. seems like it's singular in the Bible of like Yeah, it doesn't one say person. you can be married to five different people, but no more. Right. But you get five. So. But then if you look at another religion, it might say you get as many as you want. Right. So I don't know. So it's got it's got to But I think that like religion, things like that point. then can spark movements too, right? Mm -hmm. Like Well, the hippie so, movement was 
I don't want to say that they were all polygamists. Well, um, I thought it was just about like free love and you could sleep <laughs> with people. Love. I don't think they were getting married okay. to everybody. But you could sleep with as many people as you want. Right. Okay. And some people are open to that now. Yep. I'm not. Well, Tinder but. culture is kind of about that. You're just hooking up with people. See? You're not... I wonder if there's an app out there where you just marry a bunch of different people. That might be... Yeah, but they have those shows now where it's like married at first sight. Married yeah. after 90, 90 days. 90 day marriage or whatever that uh, one is. I don't know. And it's like you don't even know the person. They're in a different country. You get married and it's like, okay, well... <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then there's still... Uh, right? Other countries are practicing where they pick your spouse. What is that? You know? Oh, yeah. Like... um your your dad or your parents would pick who you're going to marry and you don't have a say. Right. And Mail order brides where well, you don't even see the person and you're just like, I want that one over in Russia. Awkward. Okay. <laughs> but you know what's also, I think, interesting, like along these same lines mm -hmm. is in this country, we have this like age idea, right? Like you're an adult 18. at 18. And so if you're older, 18 or older, you shouldn't be sleeping with anyone younger than 18. Right. Yes. But then if oh, you're 19, is, I feel like this is going to be a hot take. Where okay. are you going? So if you're 19 and you want to sleep with a 50 year old, that's fine. Even though that's, you... that, that's, yeah. Okay. Like, oh, who, who decided worse, that's 19 okay? 19 and 50 <laughs> or, or 17, 17 and 18. 18. Okay. Right. So, but then. God, so it sounds like we're promoting this whole underage marriage thing. No, no, that's no. Be it's good. just, I think it just is important yeah, to come no, I, up I, with I totally like. I get what you're saying. Our bias because we're in this country and it's yeah. what we somehow have deemed as society is we're comfortable with because then in other countries like the age gaps from what I know, which is very limited, so no one quote me, but like age gaps don't seem to be as rigid of like you should marry someone within seven years of your age. Like, yeah. and then in this country, it's like, oh, you have a 20 year age difference. That's weird. You know, and so I don't know, like, that's interesting. 18? I don't know where that came from. Why 18? Like, we just all decided I was. <laughs> you were dumb at 18. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so... for saying that. So I didn't have to. <laughs> um, at 18, I, 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 I did some stupid shit. At 19, I did some stupid shit. At your current age, at, you still do. So I mean, so why 18? And why can't you drink at 18? If you can go, if you're an adult. Mm -hmm. And you, more importantly, you can go to war and you could die, right. but yet you can't have a sip of alcohol yeah. at 18. Yeah, I don't know. And I know when I was 18, I shouldn't have been an adult. I mean, I, I didn't know what was happening I in life. I still don't like, feel like I'm an adult. Exactly. Like how many people at 18 are like, yep, I'm ready. I mean, but people do, right? Yo, people yeah. get married at 18 and are yep. very successful in their marriage and- People get married you at- You know. Uh, yeah. At 50 and still don't know what they're say, doing. I, think, I don't know. I think in it's down just, south, I want to say it's like 16 or something. You can get married. It's that's just, if I, you have like parents approval or something at yeah. 16, you can get married. Yeah. Which is at 16. Like what? Yeah. You don't even know what life is at 16. Well, do you at 18? Nope. So. Do you at 28? Nope. You know, but then it's Moral so story, different. Don't ever get married because <laughs> it, it. Yeah, no. Just kidding. But I think um, it's like. So different for everyone, too, because it's like I'm sure everyone has met someone who seems wise beyond their years, if you want to word it that way. But you I used know. to think that was 18 year olds. And then I became one. And I was like, these kids are fucking stupid. Like, Right. Well, I used to think that 30 year olds were like, whoa, they're an adult. They have it going on. And I'm closer to 30 than I, I know, am. You've 20. ruined my perception of 30. <laughs> and I have no idea what's <laughs> happening in life. I look so. at you and I keep waiting for you to hit the age where it's like you're enlightened. And I'm like, God, there's no hope for me. It still hasn't <laughs> happened for you. And I'm trailing you. So 
So basically, I mean, we're going to be a wreck forever. Oh, God. I hope you keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, why? I wonder why 18. Because it doesn't make any sense, to yeah. be honest. But then what age, what age would, right? Yeah. God, for sure not 16. But 18, <laughs> I mean, at least. Yeah, because you could argue when. When maybe 21. But then you're looking at 21 and you're like, I still don't have it figured out. So then when? Yeah. Maybe 18 was just the safest medium where it's like we got to start giving these i mean at 18 you're you're done with school yeah you're done with school you're kind of integrating into adult life whoops my bad adult life quote unquote and um maybe that was just the age they were like yeah well but then like God, you not said, 16 but then it's weird to be to say you're an adult at 18 and you have all these responsibilities in terms of like being a citizen you can go to jail at 18 right yeah but you can't drink alcohol, yeah. but you can die in war. Yeah. If you're an adult at 18, it's, so that's let them be an adult at 18. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, what? God, if you're, right, if you're 18 and you're living on your own and you've got your own place you're renting and you've got your own job and you're not, like, relying on your parents or doing anything, like, you're completely independent and yet you still can't have a drink, you can't have a beer when you get off work, like, what mm-hmm. is that? And for yeah. the longest time, you could smoke cigarettes at 18. Yeah. Which, I mean, cigarettes, in my mind, are worse than alcohol. Wait, can you not smoke cigarettes at 18 anymore? I thought they moved it to 21, didn't they? Oh. Maybe I just maybe that's just California. I thought in California, I think you have to be 21 now. Oh, to I thought buy that cigarettes. was weed. I know it's weed, too. Okay. I think so it's, they moved I think everything? It might be cig- I think they moved everything. Hmm. Maybe don't quote me on that. Maybe we should do research before we start <sighs> we're gonna need, talking. We're going to need someone, like, dedicated just to pulling up stuff. Yeah. Yeah just a little person just sitting in the corner hey can you google this for us for a sec <laughs> um i think it's yeah i think it's the but regardless i mean if you're 18 let them be an adult if that's yeah. the decision you've made is 18 is the age but i do think it should be universal in our country you know mm-hmm. if we're deciding it's 18 you then you shouldn't be able to be married at 16 with your parents consent because what if you what if you hate your parents what if your parents beat and abuse you and some 30 year old comes along that's best friends with your abusive dad who or stepdad who's a drunk and who hits you mm-hmm. and takes advantage of you maybe even and then he's gonna marry you to this this guy you don't want to get married you're 16 you just want out of this house mm-hmm. and then now you're getting married to this guy and your life is it's gonna be incredibly hard to recover from that but you can argue that at 18 yeah but at 18 your You're, parents can't marry you off, I guess, at least. Yeah, but we don't know if at 16 they can't necessarily either. I think it's if you want to, and then your parents give you consent. I don't know if it's necessarily oh, they can. Okay, that might yeah. be. Well, in some countries, then let's go a little broader, I guess. If, right, in, in other countries, countries, yeah, yeah definitely. Different. Okay, my bad. But then at the same time, you can argue in other countries, if your parents are able to marry you off, whether you're 16, 18, 25, and getting married off to someone who maybe isn't great, it's still... It's a fickle gonna thing. Going to change your that life. These rules that we've created to govern ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. here, yeah, you've got this set of rules. You well, go over even, to Egypt, you've got that set of rules. You go to Ireland, you've got these set of rules. Well, like, I think even listening to you talk and hearing the bias you have of like, gosh, not 18, no, I mean, not 16, not 16. But if you had grown up in the South and you were used to that and maybe at 16 you had a girlfriend that you were like, she's amazing. I want to get married. And parents are like, okay, cool. Like, what would this conversation be like then? It makes me think that because we grew up in California and it's 18. And so well, and shoot, 600 years ago, you might be getting married at nine. 
right? If you're going to live to be 25. Right. That's why it's just like, it's so interesting to see. And why were you an adult then? And now suddenly you're not, which I can understand why you're not. But like, I don't know. It's just it's times have changed. Yeah, it's so yeah. interesting. And Maybe I don't know who years, dictates. Or 200 years from now, it's going to be 21. You know what I don't get though? And this pisses me off is there's a movement. And I don't know how real it is. Um, but I've seen a few people talking about it and crying about it and all this stuff. <laughs> and it's they want to be able to vote at 16 to vote. And God, that makes me want to blow my brains out because <laughs> if I voted at 16, I would have voted for some stupid shit. I would have voted for stupid shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what because it all seems so ridiculous now that I, I don't know. But at 16. Why I do mean, they want to vote at 16? They feel like they're being oppressed, that they don't get a say and they've got all these old people in Congress and stuff and that they're not doing anything to benefit people actually and so they want to they think their voice needs to be heard and it's being oppressed and you know they're old enough they're 16 they can make these big decisions and it's like holy shit you've not seen that anywhere <laughs> no oh ma'am but uh, maybe I'm just uh, where would i have seen it i don't know <laughs> i think it's facebook see it's just like a dumpster fire i thought you were getting um, on facebook i'm working oh well actually i was working on it and then as I'm integrating myself more into the podcast community and trying to, you know, do this, I realized you need face. It's not looking so hot for me. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm trying to get, um, you know, I'm trying to broaden my horizon so that I'm not talking out of my ass a hundred percent of the time. And so I need these news, you know, obviously news on TV. I'm trying to get news like Apple news a little bit better about following up on stuff that I read on Facebook now. And I've diminished my time on like Instagram and stuff. So I'm cutting back a little bit. Not as much as I would have hoped, for sure. But I'm working on it. But yeah, there's that. That's a movement, or I'm just being trolled, and I'm just falling for it. But it, there's people out there that want that at yeah. 16, and it just it blows me away. I feel like 18. 18 is the cutoff, right? So mm -hmm. six. But at 16, you you really you think you've got the world figured out? I know I did. God, I thought I was a, I thought I was smarter than probably you. I was like, <laughs> she's like what? I don't know. You were probably 22 at the time. And I was like, God, I'm definitely smarter than my sister. I, I could, I could run this country. Like you're at 16. You feel like you've got it all figured out. You haven't been beaten down enough by life <laughs> by your stupid choices to realize that you really don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like from, especially in high school, like that's the age where it's like, you think you're on top and then boom, you <laughs> smack down. And then you come out from it a better person. Cause you're like, yeah, I don't know shit. And it opens your mind a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, you'll feel that again when you graduate college. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm feeling it now. <laughs> Living at home with you guys, man. I feel like I'm getting beat down every day. And then I'm like, okay, we'll try it again tomorrow. But yeah, at 16, you you just, you, I mean, you could, yeah, make an argument for 18 too, but it's a hell of a lot better than 16. <laughs> and why? At 16, you should be more concerned with graduating high school, graduating high school, figuring out who you kind of are, what you kind of think you should be. I don't want to say you shouldn't be concerned with politics because even at 16, what, is, what happens in Congress and what happens in our country and globally, it affects you. Obviously, mm -hmm. I mean, a big thing like that is climate change. Like that affects you whether you're three or 33, you know, right. what I mean? it affects you. Um, so I don't want to say you shouldn't be interested and you shouldn't be learning, but that's where it should end. You should be learning mm -hmm. about politics. You should be learning about situations globally. You should be taking that time to learn if you're interested. And even if you're not interested, you should try to learn a little bit because it affects you. But I don't think you should be, and maybe it's, I, I don't know, but I don't think you should 
I don't think you're, I don't think you've learned enough. I don't think you're experienced enough yet. And you can make the argument for me that I'm not experienced enough yet Mm -hmm. or for you or for anyone. But at that age, you just, you should be focused on learning so that you, when it comes time for you to vote Mm -hmm. at 18 and when it comes time for you to actually have a voice and have an impact, that you can utilize that impact to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. And make a well-informed choice. And I mean, shit, there's a lot of people that are older than 18 that are using their voice and are not informed. And I know who am I to say that, but I'm going to say it anyways. That are not informed and are using that voice just to basically spit on everything. Like they're just putting, they're just starting fires just for the hell of starting fires. Because you have that power. Right. When you're, you know, when you're older, you have the power to really, you've got the power to fuck up a lot of shit. And you've got the power to do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. And the decisions you make with that power kind of stem from, you know, what you've learned and what you've experienced in your life and the decisions that you've made for better or worse, they change you and you grow as a person. And at 16, you've got a fraction of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like you said, that falls back to marriage at 16 too. That's the same argument. Like you, you don't know. Even if you do want to get married, say you've got a perfect household, you're happy, your family loves you. And they agree to this because they want to support you and you really feel like you love this kid and you're 16. I think you should just hold off, you know? Yeah. And it blows me away too, the people, and maybe obviously because I've never experienced it, but like the people that marry their high school crushes Mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, I found my person in high school. This is, this is the one man right here. I don't need to meet anybody else. I know this is the one. And then, you know, you go out into the world, you meet a, ton of other people you meet god you meet so many people and it's like kind of crazy to think yeah you know 17 you found yeah i found the one and it does work out for some people right you find the one and that's awesome and that's so cool you guys live a happy life or a year later you're in college and you're like what the fuck did i do and then you start meeting all these other people and you're like god i gotta get a divorce because what did i mean what did i do you know what i mean yeah but yeah what what, i mean well i think it comes back to everything we talked about like how do you pick an age and say, oh, now you're grown up enough to get married when, like you said, there's people who are older who marriage is hard. Yeah. So it doesn't work out. And whether you're 25 or 35 or 45 getting married, it doesn't mean that it's going to work out because you've experienced life. Yeah, there are no guarantees. Yeah. Especially with something like marriage. Like- yeah. And unfortunately, it only takes one person for it to fall apart, right? Yep. So you both agreed, but if one person checks out of that marriage, then... Yeah, marriage you know? is tricky in that sense because it's not – sometimes it's just out of your control, right? You right. can be the perfect husband. You can be the perfect spouse, significant other, and then, you know, maybe your significant other cheats on you. And then, well, you know. Or they decide they don't want to be or they in decide, it anymore. Yeah. One yeah. day they just wake up and they're like, yeah, I don't feel the same anymore. Yeah. And you didn't do anything wrong per se, but yeah, it's yeah, scary. marriage is tricky. And at 16, I don't know. I just – it's crazy. It's crazy, right? But it's crazy to us. Right. It's crazy to us. You go somewhere else, they might be like, shit, make it nine. And then you're like, (laughs) what the hell is happening? I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about these rules that people before us have set and said, yeah, this is it. And then other people come along and change it. And they're like, okay, yeah, maybe this is it now. And it just, it's fluid. Yeah. Right. But you got to live your life between these lines, between these set of laws. Mm -hmm. But 10 years from now, they might be a different set of laws. And now you got to live between those. I mean, it's like the we thing, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 30 years ago, you go to jail for having a joint on you. Now it's like you can walk down the street smoking and the cops just going to be like, hey, man, take it inside. And you're like, what? But these people back then got locked up for that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. 
our dad just walked in. But do we pause and then you could just go? Do you want to pause it? Okay, yeah, we'll pause it for a sec. All right, sorry about that, guys. Where were we? What were we just what What were we just talking about? Marriage age and yeah, being an yeah, adult we and all, all of that. Place. Dad just messed up the flow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I was trying to think. I feel like we were right. We were right in the thick of it too, and now I just lost it. <laughs> yeah, marriage age, I guess. That does. Oh, we. Who knows? We could go back to cults. <laughs> How much I love cults, apparently. That's going to be the new hot take. What else? I know. Yeah, I lost that train of thought. Dang, we're still trying to figure out our whole little setup here. We got our little kinks we're trying to work out and stuff, but it's coming together. Bear with us. We might actually have video this time, which is a plus all yeah. the way through. That'll be a good step. Yeah. Rules, I guess. We were just talking about rules. But um, I wonder if... I wonder... Do you think in 200... I mean, obviously, this is a given but do you think in 200 years we're gonna look back on the rules we have today and be like what the what were we thinking with all this shit maybe some of them and others be like oh wow that was Mm -hmm. neat i would hope that we'd leave some you know we talked about like the laws that founded this country and how some of them are really thoughtful and like have benefited us today and you're like wow how'd they even think of that like that's so great that that's really been beneficial I would hope that, you know, in another 200 years, it would be the same. Like some, you're like, what? They were getting married then or they did this. But then others where you're like, yeah, like that's good. They did a good job with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a good hope. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I mean, things are so crazy now anyway. Yeah. Who knows what's going to be left after all this, right? Yeah. And everyone, I know I'm getting tired of it. I know we already talked about sensational journalism and stuff on that first episode but it i uh, i'm still struggling to try to wade through all that because they're just everyone's just putting shit out there for it oh you're gonna if you got this symptom you're gonna die or a million people are gonna die by the time this is all over and all this other stuff or oh it's not that bad like one second i go i go from thinking everyone's gonna die and we're all it's it's gonna be a wrap for so many people and the world's gonna never be the same to oh yeah this shit was blown out of proportion we're all gonna be fine here and three months it's all gonna be business as usual everyone's gonna be back to life and it was just gonna be you know it's not as bad as everyone thought it was gonna be mm-hmm. and then i switched back five minutes later it's like oh we're all gonna die again yeah it makes it difficult to talk to you about it because <laughs> <laughs> some days you're like super depressing other days you're like it's not a big deal get over it yeah, and i'm like we're, not, okay. it's, we're gonna be fine let's go out let's start a party well yeah. it's hard it is because you've really got all this different information and then you could you can go into any wormhole you want. You can find anything you want to believe, and it's right there for you to consume. Yeah. Trick is when you talk to other people, and they're like, "You're fucking crazy." You're like, "What are you talking about?" And you're <laughs> like, "Okay, maybe I need to go reevaluate what I was thinking." Yeah, kind of explore the other side. Yeah, of things. right. I think that's why I'm getting so cynical on the government. Is all I've been, and not I'm not cynical about the government. You don't need to send anybody over to the house. We're good. You know, FBI, I love you. You guys are cool. That's all. We're all straight. But as I've been watching the Waco documentary documentary <clears throat> um, on Netflix, I watched that. And then the Ruby Ridge thing, I've been digging into that. And then the test that the government was, I can't remember the name of it, but the experience, experiments the government was doing on people in like the 70s with LSD. Oh, yeah. And I've gone down wormholes with that. And now how Mer- Manson, the Manson family, you know, and all that and how... He might have actually been experimented on by the government and how, you know, he had been locked up a bunch of times, but every time he had been locked up, he would be released like that. And they, the 
officers and stuff were just told it was above their pay grade, you know, and he'd just be back out on the streets. And these doctors who were known to have been in the LSD trials and stuff were also doctors that visited him Mm -hmm. and just all this crazy (laughs) stuff. And you start, your eyes get big and you're like, holy shit, the government is doing some crazy stuff, man. It's not good for you to be on COVID life. I know. Oh my God. I've got too much free time and I'm just, I'm like all these conspiracies. And I don't even know if I want to call that one a conspiracy because there's a lot of, I know you're looking at me like, God, my brother's losing it. We got to, we got to get him some help right now. But at the, at the cost of sounding crazy, like there's some shit out there that's like, okay, I don't know, man. Like you start reading stuff and you go down a wormhole and you're like, this shit could be true. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's enough, there's just, there's always just enough evidence to where it's like, okay, I could buy this. You know, it's not that great. It's kind of a tightrope that you're walking on, but there's enough to get me across this, this bridge, you know, like I could, I could start going down this road. I could start seeing it. And then, then you gotta wake back up a few minutes later. Cause like, if it is true, right. right. The government did experiment on Manson, especially in that case, mm-hmm. did let him go. Did just watch to kind of see what he was doing. And all those people died. Then your faith in the government's like, oh, shit. Right? Yeah. But the government's done a lot of fucked up things. There was one we were learning about in my psychology class a while ago. I think it was my, I think it was my psych class. About this test they were doing. It was like the, something with syphilis, the syphilis trials or something. They were doing it on a portion of male African-Americans. And this was a while ago. And while they were doing it. Right. They were studying them while they were studying them. They actually had found a cure, um, but they didn't give it to the group they were studying because they wanted to see what the long term effects were or something. And so they essentially let them all die of Mm -hmm. syphilis. I think it was syphilis Um, and they could have helped him. Right. Mm -hmm. That that calls into question that. Right. And it's like you don't really know. I mean, obviously, the government's so closed doors. Like once you start believing one thing, then you're like your faith just starts slowly dissipating and you start going a little crazy because it's like, God, if this is true, then what if that is true? What if aliens, you know? And like we were talking about the, uh, I know, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm going crazy just talking about it. But regardless, the Pentagon released the footage of these right. unidentified flying objects. I'm going to say it that way because it sounds a little more formal and serious than, oh yeah, UFOs, man, they're flying around. <laughs> but they released the footage of that and- Nobody, nobody's saying anything about it, really. And it's like, this was on CNN. These videos were on CNN, which, yeah, right. fake news and stuff, whatever. That's kind of crazy that the government is acknowledging this now, right? Yeah. Or am I just, I'm just. You, you see things it. a little differently than me. What do you think about when you hear that CNN released footage of these unidentified flying objects that the government is saying, yeah, we don't have the capability for this flight tech. We don't know of any other government that has the capability of this flight tech. Knowing that the government could be lying, like maybe, I mean, who knows, right? Maybe this is us Mm -hmm. and they just don't want the tech being out there. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is aliens. Mm -hmm. I mean, people have been talking about stuff for decades. Like, what do you think? Because you're a little more level-headed when it comes to conspiracy stuff than I am. Um, I haven't seen the videos. I know you Mm -hmm. tried to show me one, but I haven't actually seen them or looked into it. So I don't know what that looks like. And I would... I guess I wouldn't have much to say because it's like, well, I haven't seen an alien, so... So you wouldn't believe... You got to see it that. to believe it. I think so, unless there's some video that I could really say I know for sure is true, which how would I know that if the government's producing it because that they do That blows my mind stuff. a little bit, though, because, not to be disrespectful, but you believe in your, you know, you've read the Bible, you right. believe in God, mm-hmm. you're, you're into that lane. Right, right? but... 
our government didn't give me the Bible, so. <laughs> yeah, but who did? Right. Right? I You're guess following my thought... something that somebody wrote down. Right. Long time ago. Well, that's going to um, have to be a conversation for a whole nother okay, episode. Okay, we'll have to say that for so, now. But in terms of like conspiracy theories, mm -hmm. I think how I kind of sift through them is basically taking them at face value, like a surface level. Mm -hmm. And then what does that mean in my life? Like that basically to me, more often than not, like the conspiracies around Waco and what that looks like, or I don't know if you'd consider it a conspiracy, but how there's like these ideas that maybe the government was trying to cover stuff up or they were trying to make themselves look better or whatever. And my thought is it just kind of reaffirms to me like the need of being aware of yourself, of your surroundings and the situations you put yourself in. So you just need to be aware. Not everyone is trustworthy. Sometimes people have their own intentions. The government has its own intentions. And so just being mindful of things like that. And I'm not going to be the one that signs up for some experiment, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so just keeping that in mind and knowing like you don't always know the What's full what? story. I would say more often than not, you don't know the full story is I think, how I kind of live. Okay. So. That's interesting because I think I'm the opposite. And I think that's why these stories, you know, I could lose myself in these stories a little bit more to some extent yeah. is because I hear something like Waco and I don't be like, well, that doesn't directly affect me. You know, mm -hmm. I think, well, shit, just because they did it here doesn't mean that five years down the road, they're not going to do it somewhere else. And maybe that one does affect me. You right. know what I mean, I start thinking, okay, if they can do it and if they've done it, mm -hmm. they can do it again. Right. Right. It's like, so if they did kill all those people at Waco, yeah. Okay. That it was technically a cult. Maybe they were not doing things wrong. Maybe they were doing things wrong, um, but they killed them. Let's right. say that. Okay. Let's say that they killed them. You know, maybe 10 years down, there's another Ruby Ridge. They kill them. Mm -hmm. Maybe then it st they start getting a little emboldened. Maybe they start killing people that really there's no logical path for them to justify it. And right. then maybe 20 years later, they kill someone that you know. And you're like, what the? And then it's like, right. okay, well, there were all these instances for you to step up and be like, okay, we got to figure something out. But now that it directly affects you, you're like, okay, but it's already too late. See, right? and I guess I think... Like, so for that, it's like, yes, I think it's something to be aware of when mm -hmm. they're happening in real time and there's incidents going on, being aware of what's going on, being, you know, um, but I can argue the same thing. Like, so you're going to sit here and stress about Waco or you're going to be looking at both sides and being like, oh, my goodness, what, that doesn't ensure that you wouldn't be involved in the next one mm -hmm. just by being worried or being aware. It might actually set you up for being on the wrong side of the next one. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Because then you're automatically assuming the government's coming after you. Yes. Or more prone it's to a think fine that. Line, right? right. And so whereas I'm thinking like, okay, well, I'm not gathering guns and I'm not gonna do any type of communal living. So I don't I don't really know. Like I you know, I'm but not gonna be posting on social media if I was living in a community. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like just being aware of like the footprint you're leaving or the information you're projecting because maybe if the government sees it and doesn't like it or feels that it's threatening, they're going to respond. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it's, it's in my, yes, no, I completely get that. It is mm -hmm. a fine line because you could look at these stories and then be like, the government's going to get me someday. And I want to make right. it apparent that's not what I'm thinking. I don't think the government's going to come kill me. I'm not paranoid about that. I don't read these stories and get scared for myself. I get, I get worried at the abuse of power because 
like I said, if they can do something once and get away with it, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, they could get away. They could do it again. Yeah. Or maybe they're going to be a little more willing to do something again. And I'm the type of person where if I see something that's not right, like I want to nip that shit in the butt so that it doesn't happen again. Like mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to address it and it's not going to happen again. And if it does, then we're going to have some serious problems. Like that's who I am as a person. Like right. If I see something that's wrong. You know, and I've gotten into confrontations with really close friends before and it's worked out because, you know, something happens, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I did something and they address it with me or they did something and I address it with them. But I'm upfront about it. I'm saying, hey, this is this was a problem. Like, this is not this is not going to happen. Like, if we're going to be, you know, friends or whatever, like this, this is not I'm not okay with this. This isn't going to happen. And situations, you've got to address it. And so. Which I is, get. Yeah. But my thought is like, how are you going to address it with the government? Like there's a there's a line of like, well, since I can't actually call the FBI and talk to them about it, mm-hmm. you know, or let them know I don't think it's okay. Like I don't, I don't. that's the problem, right? Because if everyone's got that mentality mm-hmm. and, oh, well, I'm just one person. It's the same with voting, right? I've just got one vote, so I can't change anything, so I'm not going to vote. And then someone like Trump's win. Trump wins, you know right. what I mean? Whereas if everyone thought I've got one vote, I'm going to make the most of it. Trump doesn't win, right? Because he. Right. Um, but those are two different things. I think you can generalize that like you're trying to do. But then you can also say, no, they're actually different because one, I've been given the power to vote. And mm-hmm. so it's a responsibility I need to take. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't been given the FBI's director's phone number where it's like, you know what, Sarah, you're going to hold them accountable. So, no, I would hope that the other people that do have the position of holding them accountable are going to see that. I think having a Netflix documentary and people hearing about it and reading about it and the people that do have the power to take steps, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know what step I should, like, I don't know where I that think, would be. I think for someone like us, the step would be trying to help get the information out there. I think that's all we could really do. Mm-hmm. But to go back, it's really not that different from voting. I mean, if you want to take a different stance on it and look at, what's going on with big pharma, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have any power over big pharma. You know, I can't tell them, hey, stop making drugs that are basically designed to get people hooked and then kill them. Right. I have no power to do that. Mm -hmm. But I do have the power to hold my, the people I vote for responsible and be like, hey, listen, I'm putting you, I'm giving you my vote Mm -hmm. and I want you to put a stop to this shit. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm voting for you. You're running on a platform that says, hey, I'm going to make sure that you know, big pharma isn't just out here killing people. Right. And so that's why I'm voting for you. And if you don't do that, I'm not going to vote for you. Or I might mm-hmm. even try to get you out. I might raise a movement like impeachment to some right. extent. You know what I mean? I'm going to try to get you out of there. But I'm using my vote. I'm electing you with the hopes that you do what you said you're going to do, which sometimes they don't, sometimes they do, mm-hmm. to go and t- attack this entity or hold this entity accountable because I can't. But mm-hmm. I've got the power to put you in a position where you can. Right. You know what I mean? And that could be the same thing with like the federal government right mm-hmm. i mean if the president's out here doing wild shit we all have the power to use our voice and to hold them accountable right and, you know how that looks um i'm not really sure because i've never seen an impeachment in my lifetime other than you know the whatever's going on with trump when they were trying you know mm-hmm. but i know that it can be done mm-hmm. if people have the attention span to endure long enough to actually see it through you know what i mean right Which sometimes i feel like everyone's got that 20 second news cycle on their brain you know what i mean mm-hmm. but that i think that that goes into a different problem of mine you know i worry that people feel like they don't have a 
have the power, which you're right. You alone, you don't have the power to do a lot of right. things. But you with five other people, you with 500 other people, you with 5 million people, then you've got way more power than you think, you mm-hmm. know, and that's all it takes. It takes one person to be like, hey, this isn't right. I don't know how I'm going to change something, but I'm going to, I'm going to do something to make a change. And then other people, it's like a cult, right? Right. There we Without go. Without those connotations, we're looping it back. But it's like a cult. You start getting like-minded people and where you couldn't do it by yourself. Now you've got a group. Yeah. Shit, if you get in a town like ours, if you get a few thousand people to align with you and you've all got the same beliefs, you've got the power to change our local government, right? Right, which I think is totally doable. Important. I'm saying in terms of like me addressing Waco right now, yes, I, that's what do do? not. What do you do? I get that. So, but yeah, like if if the police in our town, I felt like we're not doing what they were supposed to, I have no problem Start going. Yeah, I yeah. have no problem doing that. And so I guess my thought is like, I'm going to take responsibility of what's in my immediate realm okay. to be able to. So whether that's through voting, like you're saying, and voting for the officials that represent our state and, you know, otherwise, or immediate local things and stuff like that, like that's no problem. Me addressing something that's happening in Texas that isn't even currently happening. Mm. No, I'm not going to stress about that yeah. because yeah, I don't want it to happen here. I'm going to be mindful. I'm aware of what happened there to some extent to be watching if I saw something starting to get out of hand. And then I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure what I'm seeing and what people are doing around me and in our local government are staying on track. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And so instead of focusing more on that, it's like, okay, yes, that happened. Keep that in mind. Where are we at today? And I guess just staying more grounded in today would be the my approach to not going down the rabbit holes of conspiracy. Yeah. Do I see aliens flying over my house? No, I don't. Do I need to be aware of what the videos are being released from the government? Yeah, okay. Like, let's let's see where they're going. Why would they have reason? My thought is, why do they have reason to release it now? Are they trying to distract us from something? Are they trying to get us to look a different way? Are they, like, what? what is the reasoning behind that? And then keeping that in mind, because obviously there's an intention behind it. You don't just randomly oh, yeah. release it. Yeah. So keeping that more in mind instead of focusing more on, like, are there aliens or not? Like, that's not my concern. If they are, okay. If they aren't, okay. It's not like they're attacking me. It's not Mm -hmm. like they're trying to kill us off. Why would they need to kill us off? So it's more like, okay, so what is our government doing around that? I guess, so I look at it in that way with conspiracies. Like, what is the other root of like why this is coming up? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the disconnect? Or why are this group of people angry? Like, what do we need to be concerned about that's at the root of that? Does that make sense? Like kind of explaining it it a little bit more? And you're right, especially in the sense of, what do you, what do I do now? Because I have no idea what to do about Waco. Mm. You know what I mean? I just I talk to people if they want to talk about it because it's interesting. That's how you spread information too. Yeah, you mm-hmm. talk about it, they can form their own opinions. But yeah, what do you what what can you really do right now? And that's it's not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of have a problem with where we're at now because just in our country and maybe globally, I don't know. Is people I don't feel like people have the I don't know if it's the attention span or there's just because everyone's got so much going on in their lives every day, let alone now with everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't feel like anyone can focus on an issue long enough to actually do something about it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It feels like we've got here's an issue. We're rolling with it. And then, oh, shit, something else happens. And then we we lose this issue and we go to that one. So we're never actually getting anything done Mm -hmm. because you got to hold on to it. You got to see it through to the end. It's like you can't. 
you can't, you can never achieve anything if you've got yourself split in 15 different directions because you can only focus on it so much, each one, right? If I'm mm-hmm. focusing on three different things, yeah, I might be able to get those three things done. Eventually, it's going to take way longer mm-hmm. than if I just focused on one at a time and just checked it off. Right. I think that's why lists are so effective is because you're, okay, I got to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. Right. I'm not going to do this until I finish that. I'm going to get them all done, right? But one of the challenges too is that there's so many things that I would say are the same level of importance. And oh, that, yeah. How and do you then decide adds, what's more right. important? And then that adds a whole other layer of things to make it more complicated. And then like we talked about, like there's certain things that you're like, yeah, that's not okay. All these checks and balances kind of make it hard sometimes to know like, well, where do I step in? Who am I calling about this issue? Because mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to put in the work, but like, how? Where? Like, what does it go to? Where do you know? And so those things kind of make it hard sometimes too. Not saying it's an out. I think I'm sure all of us could step up, you know, and do a little bit better at just taking the time to be aware of what's going on and making our voices heard. But well, it's hard in terms what do you of do? Because you've got, I mean, shit. We could think of a thousand issues right now. We've got kids getting shot at school. We've got the homeless problem. Mm-hmm. We've got. Well, I mean, we've got a ton of issues. Like, how do you... So, but then that's the problem. You've almost got to take a micro view to achieve macro results. Because if you start looking at this at a macro level, it's like it's like when you've got so much homework to do that then you just procrastinate more because you don't know where to start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at this from a macro view, you're not going to get anything done because it's all so daunting. Every one of these issues is so big. And it's going to require so much time and it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. And there's so many of them. What do you do? Right? But if there's things like that that are weighing on you, my thought is that's what you dedicate your life to. That's, for example, me. Like I'm really interested in recidivism rates in prisons. I have been for Which 10 years. Which is a huge issue in itself. Right. And I think that there's a problem. And the only way that I can think of actually addressing the problem is working in the system. And so that's been my goal since going to college. And so that's what I chose. So yeah, maybe I'm not addressing the homeless Mm -hmm. issue that's going on, or I'm not trying to come up with how to treat the pandemic right now, but that's not what's weighing on me and my life. And so I'm going to do at least this one little thing that I can to help. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm I'm talking about is you're the perfect example because you've got yeah, you're watching all these other issues and you want to help with all these other issues too, but you've got this one that you're like kind of dedicating your life to, this Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is we need more people that are willing to take a step back and take a micro view of these issues and be like, okay, I'm going to start with one. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are a ton. I got to start with one. Mm -hmm. And when and if I get this one done, we'll move on to another one. And it's going to be hard to pick one. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at is you, to really get anything done, you just got to start and you got to pick one to start. Just start. Then we can address it. We'll move on to the next one. Then we'll move on to the next one. And ideally the list is going to get shorter. But if we're so far back that we're looking at the whole list, Mm -hmm. where do you start? Right? Mm -hmm. I think I mean, where, yeah, where do you, where do you start? So where are you going to start? I think, well, personally, I think I want to, I want to start with the, the situation at the border because I don't, I don't get it. It's mm-hmm. one of the ones, and I would really like to go with the gun one because I am a proponent of guns. I believe in the second amendment. I don't believe that kids should be getting shot at school. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't believe in the amount of information that's being spread and misutilized. Um, guns, I don't believe guns are the problem. Mm-hmm. I do believe that mental health is a big issue. I know that people like to attack that and say, well, I have mental health issues and I don't go around shooting people. But okay, that's that's really not a good argument though because some people do have mental health issues and they do do stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So just because it, it affects you one way doesn't mean it's going to affect everyone that same way. I would love to go after that issue. But there are children in cages and there are children dying in these cages. And I've tried to see it from the other side. And maybe I haven't had someone who's well-versed enough in it to talk about it. But i it's one of the issues where I really do not understand why it is happening. I don't understand why they're being separated from their parents. I don't get it. They're not even our citizens. I don't get why Mexico is not more furious about it. I think at the very least, if they come over here, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to get rid of the border. I completely understand the importance of having a border wall and having protection and security. I don't want to make light of the situation with the drugs that are flowing in and some of the crime, yes, not everyone that is coming over is bad. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be here if you couldn't come over. Mm-hmm. And I think it's ridiculous that so many people are against it because most of us would not be here. A huge 99% of us would not be here if not for immigration. We shouldn't be trying to keep people out. We should be, we should have a structure in place that lets people come in that is a thorough check you know, Mm -hmm. it's faster, a better process than the one we have now. But you've got these people that are searching for a better life and they're coming over here. They're risking everything to come over here. Yeah, they shouldn't because you got to follow the procedures, you know, and they suck now and hopefully they'll get better. But we should not be splitting them up from their children. If anything, we should just be giving them back to the Mexican government We should have a structure in place with Mexico because we are so damn close. We're right next to each other. You think we'd have better communication with them. Hey, here are your people. We need you to create some incentive or some deterrent so that they are not trying to come over all the time. We're going to work on a better process to getting people in if they want to come in. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're not going to we're not going to keep children in cages or anyone in cages that has done nothing wrong other than come over here, which is. A crime. I get that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there should be some sort of punishment that Mexico upholds. We should not be keeping Mexican citizens in cages, especially children, in cages at the border. Mm -hmm. And I don't get why Mexico is not more pissed about that. I don't know if it's a power struggle thing or big bad US, you know. Mm -hmm. I I and I don't understand why it is still happening. At the very least, they come over, like I said, figure something out with Mexico, create a deterrent, create something positive. That maybe so they don't come over. But what are we doing keeping them still in cages? What? Because more people are still coming over. Mm -hmm. So what? We're just going to keep creating more cages for them? Mm -hmm. Or we could just figure something out and send them back. They should not. They're not American citizens. They have not committed a crime other than come here. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm not saying if they come over here and kill somebody. Yeah. Okay. We have to deal with that. Like Mm -hmm. that's not okay. They crossed some line that we drew in the sand. And now we're holding them, mm-hmm. right? How does that? How does that make any sense? Send them back. Dro- we it's right on the border. Drive them back That's over the border, here. right? Yeah. Drop them off. Do just just take them back. Okay. Let's start there. Just take them back. Yeah, they might still come over. Okay. We're not in any worse position than we are now. It'd probably be cheaper because we're not feeding them. We're not housing them right we could hire more people to just drive them back just take them back across the border drop Mm -hmm. them off i don't know i get it life sucks 
we're going to do everything we can to create a more efficient process. But why the hell are they sitting? Why, why are we keeping them captive? Why are we treating them like prisoners of war mm-hmm. and keeping them there? And my biggest, the thing that got me so heated about this is I was talking a little bit to you about it. Back in World War II, I did not know, I, you know, I didn't know that we took prisoners of war, um, Nazis, mm-hmm. and brought them over here to the U.S. and had kind of like camps where we kept them, you know, in different states and stuff. And I was learning that, you know, they had a lot of freedoms. In some cases, they could have bands. I know that they had their own newspapers at some of these camps that were run by these people. You know, they had a lot of power. There was one story of them getting a little, you know, a little too, a little too cocky with themselves and the power that they were getting. And they like created a bunch of SWAT stickers and stuck it in a box and flew it up on a string with a balloon or something and then gave it to a guard and it dropped a bunch of SWAT stickers all over town or something. And like Hitler was sending them money. And I get why we were treating them well is because we were hopeful that our troops would be treated well when they were captured, if they were captured over in Germany and on the fronts of the war. And I get that. That makes complete sense. They were not as it came out. Um, And we continued to treat POWs here well, which I think is good, right? We, you're supposed to lead with an example regardless of how it turns out you deal with that later but you lead with an example my problem is not with that and i don't want to conflate the two issues my problem is the fact that we treated nazis right and i know that word gets thrown around a lot today but we treated people who were exterminating people and not all of them they were bad and that's Mm -hmm. what i'm saying i don't i'm not arguing with how we treated them but i think it's insane that we treated them better than we are treating children right Mm now that children who have done nothing they they didn't cross the border by themselves i would assume in most cases right came here with their parents and if you're a four-year-old you don't know what the hell's going on even if you're a 10 year old you don't really understand what's going on and yet you're stripped from your parents and you're stuck in a cell and the pictures that have gotten out they are horrifying and we treated nazis yes i get some of them were probably um, drafted against their will and forced to do the things they were did i get it um but we treated them better than we're treating children. I'm not saying we should have lowered their standards. We should raise the standards that we have now. Yeah. Because it's it's fucking ridiculous. And it's fucking ridiculous that we still have them in these cages. What are yeah. we what are we doing with them? What is the plan for this? What we're just gonna keep them in the cage until what? What is what is the ultimate goal of putting them in a cage in the first place? We're trying to deter these children from coming back? Okay, well they came with their parents. Yeah. So what I, 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 I just, I, it blows my mind and I'm so not at the education level with it that I would want to be. And that's something I've got to work on, you know, and figuring out, like you said, how I can be a part of that. And I hope speaking to it on this platform, wherever this platform goes, or regardless, I hope that this gets out to other people and they start questioning it. But I, I just, I really want to understand. And I want to talk to somebody who maybe understands a little bit better because I don't, I don't get it. And maybe there is some important factor that they're doing this and i just i haven't been exposed to it yet or there's some ultimate goal but right now it seems like it's the blind leading the blind and i don't understand i don't understand what doing this now is meant to do because from my perspective these children are going to grow up not only traumatized they're going to grow up hating the u.s Mm -hmm. they're going to grow up probably with some mental health issues, I would imagine, because I can only imagine, we know that being locked up has psychological effects, right? right? Like, Mm -hmm. 
it's not good. Nobody wants to go to prison. And these are children that they're being exposed to this without their families. They've done, I mean, it's, I don't understand. It seems like a cost benefit of it is so damn low that I can't figure out why we're still doing it. Like, why not really, why not just send them back? Yeah. Get rid of the things, hire more people to send them back. I guarantee you're going to save more money. Even if you hired more people to just drive them back than you would by housing them, feeding them, building these facilities, staffing these facilities, and you're not ruining these kids' lives. You're not scarring them. You're not treating them like shit. Mm-hmm. You're just taking them back. Well, it's so interesting too. Like we're doing all this and and I'm of the same opinion as you. Like yeah. I don't understand why. I don't think it's appropriate. It's just a little, I don't know ironic that we're so quick to pull these kids away for whatever reason someone deemed we needed to when you know we have our social work system that we do everything we can to make sure that our kid like kids in this country are staying with their parents yeah and then we're just so quick i mean it it makes no sense i don't know but yeah i think it's something we probably both should look into a bit more and try to figure out what we like how we can help the way we're treating these kids is like their lives are worth so much less than i mean we treat prisoners better than we're treating these kids Mm -hmm. and i i don't uh, is it i don't know if it's the current administration's attempt at sending a message hey don't come over here which the message should be hey you know you can't just come over here but we've got this system in place like i said you can fill out these forms we're going to try to speed it up so that if you are a good candidate and you you know you you're just trying to find a better place you're a refugee you can come here because mm-hmm. that's what this country was built on and that's what we should maintain that attitude but it's like who why i i, I, I don't even know what else to say about it because it just it is so i mean and it's i don't know it just blows me away because why i don't it it doesn't seem like there's any benefit yeah okay you're maybe you're trying to send a message but the message that I would be receiving if I was on the opposite end of it was fuck you guys, man. Mm-hmm. Like this, like that. I, I mean, what country first off separates children from their parents and then throws them in cages? What country does that? We're supposed to be leading the free world by example, mm-hmm. you know? And it seems like in today with the current administration and who knows for how long, um, having compassion and having having taking diplomacy is seen as a weakness when the real weakness is using strength when strength is not necessary using that strength when you've got all the power in the world using that power recklessly and for whatever purpose and to whatever result that's true weakness that's that's the problem and that's how we're leading that's how we're leading our country that's the example we're showing to other countries is we are leading, we're like the bully in a schoolyard right now. And God damn it, I love this country. I don't want people to get the wrong word. I love being here. Um, I'm so thankful that I've grown up here. Um, I'm not copping out. But uh, we, we are not leading to our best ability and we're not portraying and living in an America that I believe is at our fullest potential. You know, God damn it, we used to be a model that like, hey, this is America, like, we're going to stand up for the little guy. We're going to be there. Like we care about everyone. We're going to, this is the country of immigrants. We all came here looking for something better. And now we're blocking everybody else out because we want to hold it all for ourselves. But it's not something that's 
finite. Mm -hmm. You know, the pursuit of a better life is something that everyone can experience because it's not something you can box up and keep for yourself. Just because you've attained it doesn't mean now somebody else reaches that goal that they're taking something away from you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we're just, we're, we're bullying right now. You know what I mean? And that just gets me so fired up and talking about this gets me so fired up because we can do better. We are better. We should be better. And I don't understand why we're taking these steps backwards. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. If I'm being completely honest. Well, way to make it really serious. (laughs) (laughs) I keep waiting. It, It takes its ebbs and flows. You know, I'll be laughing about cults one second and then we're going, we're doing a deep dive on American politics the next minute, you know? Yeah. It's sad. It is. It's hard. But, um, like you said, I mean, what do you, what can you do other than educate yourself and then, I think everything runs through education, right? You got to, in order to make a difference, in order to do do anything, you have to first be educated. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can leave it there for today, Chubb. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I always have a great time with you, Anna. I love love it when you come on. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Chubb. Bye. Bye.